highest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Oh, hi, folks. I'm here in this uh, appropriate acoustic environment to rehearse the Russian national anthem with my favorite Soviet Union tag team partners, Nikolai Volkov and Boris Yukov. You ready, guys? Okay, I don't plan to hit it that hard, but I'll do my best. I get no kick from Ukraine. Hey, that's not the Russian national anthem. I know that. It's just a little joke to warm up the crowd. Give us a break here. Okay, here we go. Hey, hey yourself. I know it's not the Russian national anthem. What is it? You play the Polish national anthem. <laughs> well, send your postcards directly to him. Anyway, we're still warming up. Here we go now. A one and a two and... Perestroika and Glasnost, I dig them the utmost. And how is your sister tonight? Hey, you're getting hot for your warming up. Let's go. Enough with the job. hay. No more stalling. Okay, let's do one from the heart, folks. Let's do one for the homeland. Let's hear it from Mother Russia. Here we go. Hey! I don't believe you. Take it easy. On that note, this is Steve Allen in the speedstick room. Sending it back up to you, Jesse. I'm going to get out of here. You can get killed around here. Hey now, welcome to the 24-inch podcast. My name is Steve Bennett, and with me tonight, as always, is Dave Rollins. We'll get to him in a second. It is episode number 14 of the 24-inch podcast already as we roll into June, into July, actually, of 2021. We started this project, Dave and I, back in December of 2020. And here we are, Dave, who we bring in from Soccer Town. USA, and I say soccer town today, as uh, our Azuri, uh, the Italy national team, uh, which Dave and I both cheer for, are 3-0 and in the uh, Euro 2020, being played in 2021, uh, and are getting ready for the knockout. So what's up, Dave? How you doing tonight? I'm doing great, brother, from Carney to Buffalo, even from Maine to Spain. We're back, the 24-inch podcast invading your earwax-filled earbuds. Here we are. Yeah, we've been getting into and, uh, Oh, sorry. We've been getting in a pretty good groove of doing these every other Thursday. Uh, but last week, we had to take an extra week because it was Paula's birthday and Paula's pre-K graduation. And Dave got a little banged up me, over the weekend thinking he's still 23. That sounds to me like, like Paula Mania running wild. Oh, it was. Believe me, it was. She had a, a birthday party. Like, within five days, she had her birth, her actual birthday. Then we went to um, the Rainforest Cafe with her cousin for, like, a dinner, and they sang to her and everything. Very and, cool place. And then we had her party here. It was, like, 40 people, 13 kids. You know, pin the tail on the donkey, pinata, all that stuff. Sounds like a big headache for Steve Bennett. Well, Tammy Bennett mostly. <laughs> Tammy Bennett uh, endured most of that headache. 
and then um and then she had her graduation that was all like within five days yeah man so, yeah, I got, she was running wild i got about i'm not gonna name them all i got about eight to ten birthdays in my immediate family people that are around here in in the month of june and had two jobs juggling two jobs on top of that a social life like you said i'm still out there and especially after the pandemic I'm really enjoying uh, going out and things getting a little back to normal. Sometimes I go overboard, not realizing I'm 41 years old, not 23 anymore. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's just a lot. I guess it's better to be busy than bored. You know what I'm saying? But we got my mom's 75th birthday uh, coming up, celebration this weekend. Hey, tomorrow's even my dog's birthday, nine years old. So yeah. busy, busy, busy. Tammy and Paul are four days apart, so we always have birthday week here. You know, with that, and then, yeah, it's been a crazy, crazy time. Crazy, but you got to enjoy life, I guess, while we're here. And and I think I was reminded of that with the sad video of Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Oh my god, that you sent me, uh, that his son posted. I guess a month ago. I guess it kind of hit under the radar for a month for whatever reason. Well, I thought, yeah, for some reason, I thought it wasn't for Father's Day. That's what I kind of thought. Okay. Maybe it was a month ago. Oh, did YouTube? It said it said one month ago. Well, just I when I opened it, it said posted one month ago. So I don't. I okay, just assumed then, yeah. it was up there for a month. I don't know. Yeah, no, you're right. It must have hit. It must have hit under the radar. Radar then. But, but um, uh, yeah, I, I woke up Monday morning. Uh, you know, after Father's Day, and it was my sister Dana's birthday. You know, like we said on Sunday, so we had some drinking going on, and you know, woke up a little blurry, getting ready for work Monday. It's the first text I got from a friend. I'm like, who is that? And I'm looking, and I hear the voice. And I'm like, oh my god, no. Jesus, that's the last thing you want to see. Like these guys, people, anybody listening to this podcast does understand. These guys are like loosely, loosely. I'm using family to us. These guys are grew up with. You know what I mean? So it's very sad. These wrestlers. Yeah, I mean we carry them closely in our our, our memory bank, you know, and then they they have a special place, the nostalgia of it, and you know, back when we grew up it was a different time. You know, we spent spend time with these guys on TV and, and the matches and all that. So it is sad. And, you know, he's such a big and strong guy, too. You know, that's the other thing. I mean, just a tough guy. Yeah, big, strong, tough guy with the big physique and the mean. And we're mean, reco- very we're, mean. We're Man, recording God. today on uh, the anniversary of his famous betrayal of Hulk Hogan. Now, it didn't air until July sometime. July 19th. Yeah, but great it, betrayal. Yeah, but it was recorded today. Uh, way back in 1986, and um, you know, you, you if you if you look at the two videos side by side, you know, you kind of are reminded of the circle of life and really and how we're not immortal. You know, maybe Hulkamania is, but uh, people aren't. And um, yeah, we're thinking of Mister Wonderful. Uh, we did one episode already uh, with him. I'm not sure what number, but it's in the archives, and we have at least one more to do, if not more than that. I mean. Obviously, he'll be a big part of the WrestleMania one episode. Uh, we have to do the main event at some point. You know, we have to do or um, the main event. What am I trying to say, Dave? The the wrestling show, big that, event, the big in event, Toronto, the big event. No. Yeah, in Toronto. Um, and I mean, at some point, maybe just do another episode dedicated to the other cage or the other Saturday night's main event because we did the cage match. We actually we did them both actually. Oh, did we do them both? It was a, yeah, it was it was a first time thing. We did the October '86, then the uh, Saturday Night's Main Event, January '87 ca- oh, okay. cage match. Let's do but that. We still got, we anyway, got we got a lot of and, uh, Orndorff left. We could still. do the Great Betrayal too. Yeah, yeah, we got yeah. a lot of Orndorff left. So, 
We'll keep that. In I mind. actually, while we're still talking about Mr. Wonderful, I, I was trying to figure out the last time I saw him because, you know, I'm a regular at all these New Jersey conventions that I'm lucky enough to have all the time. And it wasn't that long ago. It was right before the pandemic, October 2019 in uh, Freehold, New Jersey at uh, 80s Wrestling Con. My friend Tommy Fierro uh, runs that. And um, my goodness, he, I mean, yeah, he had slowed down. He was thin, frail looking for Mr. Wonderful, but he talked to us. He was joking a bit. He, he seemed pretty, pretty good. Then I saw him a short time after that on a Hannibal uh, um, shoot with Brian Blair. Brian Blair like wasn't even supposed to be there, but I think he w- went just to help Paul a little bit, you know, because they're, they're very close. And you could see something was happening to Mr. Wonderful then, but nothing like this. So he must have deteriorated very fast. I went through that with my Uncle Tito with uh, Alzheimer's. And Paul's might be CTE mixed in with a bit of Alzheimer's. I don't know. But uh, it's just it's such a sad way to, to see someone deteriorate. There's nothing you could do about it. Yeah, that's what happened to my grandma Paula and at a very, very young age, too, which was sad, you know. Uh, very. And uh, so, yeah, it's not easy to watch a family member, certainly. And it's, it's, uh, it's not great to watch a... A legend like Paul kind of go out that way. You know, it strips you of your dignity a little bit, which isn't great. Because it's almost like we know, like, if, if he was in there suffering, I know he beat cancer already. I didn't say that. But, like, if he was in there, you know, he had a heart attack. Okay, maybe he'll bounce back now. We'll get a bypass, whatever. But this, you know, he's, we know he's just, unfortunately, it doesn't look like there's any, you know, progression of any, anything getting better. Unfortunately, it's not going to It's not going to happen. Yeah, Very sad. I, I can't imagine we're going to see a video where he's just all lucid and like, oh, I'm great. You know, like here. I no, am. Like, yeah, that's yeah. unfortunately, you know, we got to be truthful here. That's not going to happen. Well, prayers and well wishes from the 24 inch podcast. Uh, the Mr. Wonderful Paul Wonderf, one of the greats of all time and to his family and his friends. And geez, you know, I mean, one of the all time greats. He certainly will what? leave behind a legacy of. Uh, of, a, of a, a pretty incredible wrestling resume. I mean, he's in the main event of WrestleMania 1, for God's sake. WrestleMania 1, main event. Biggest, got to be top three WWF 80s feuds with Hogan. Top three to five, you know, mm-hmm. if I'm not really thinking about it. So that's a resume right there in itself. Well, speaking of resumes, a guy named John Wertheim. He's a SI uh, sports writer, senior writer, and uh, he's a correspondent for 60 Minutes, and he's the author of a really great profile on me. <laughs> uh, and he, wow, wow, wow. he's also the author of a new book called Glory Days, the summer of 1984 and the 90 days that changed sports and culture forever. And it's a great book, especially for anyone who loves the era like we do. You know, I mean, I'm just looking at the cover here and it's Bruce Springsteen and Prince and Wayne Gretzky and Michael Jordan and Magic and Bird. You know, it's a mix of sports and culture. And I'm always intrigued. Cool. I'm always intrigued and appreci- appreciative when a more mainstream, quote unquote, author uh, takes the time to include wrestling um, in his book. And Glory Days has a wrestling chapter called "The Brawl to End It All," which, of course, was right in this 90-day span that the book is about oh, in July '84. Yeah, in the summer of '84. And uh, it was interesting for me to read it. Now, he mentioned that uh, David Shoemaker from The Ringer and Jimmy Traina, who's also an SI writer, uh, kind of consulted with him and, and helped him with it. But I wish he would have consulted with me as well. 
because there is a mistake, and I, I did tell him uh, about it at the time. But um, the, the 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 really, it's about the idea. It's it's about a few things. A chapter one. It's about the backstory of how Cindy Lauper uh, became involved in wrestling. You know about because obviously MTV plays a bigger part in the book as well. And, you know, the idea that Cindy Lauper and Lou meet in a chance meeting on the airplane. And then, you know, later her boyfriend Dave Wolf suggests to have him as the father. And the girls just want to have fun video. And she's like, oh, I know Lou. I remember Lou. And, um, you know, and then how that kind of built into her being in wrestling. And then how, you know, they had talked MTV into holding the, um, the events on their airwaves and how successful it was and how all this kind of led to WrestleMania. And then it's also about um, Hogan, you know, and, and it's about the business of wrestling as well. And um, like, for instance, here's a paragraph here. Oh, they talk about, I was really surprised, but they talk about um, Black Saturday or whatever it's called. Is it Black Saturday? Is that what they call it? Yeah, the uh, TBS, WWF yeah. going over there. McMahon had already taken over the Sunday morning time slot on the USA Network. For more than a decade, a Saturday night slot on Ted Turner's Superstation WTBS was devoted to World Championship Wrestling, featuring the cast of Georgia Championship Wrestling. McMahon approached Turner with an offer to buy the Saturday night slot. Perhaps still chastened by his unsuccessful bid to buy ESPN weeks earlier, Turner was in no mood to negotiate. He rejected McMahon. Undeterred, McMahon had another plan. He'd buy Georgia Championship Wrestling promotion, which owned the time slot. McMahon found enough willing sellers, and soon the WWF had controlling stake of the promotion. And then July 14th, 84, uh, Black Saturday, um, and 6.05 comes on, and, and people realize that it's not Georgia, and apparently switchboards flood, and um, what they say that a lot of the money they used to sell back the time slot was used for WrestleMania then. WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all kind of it's, a big circle here. Yeah, go ahead. It's funny. Uh, I just want to throw this in real quick. At first, they were just using, like, the regular WWF matches that were already on TV from Philly, you know, from Ch- Championship Wrestling, from the Garden. And then TBS said, no, we need original stuff. So right around Wrestle- WrestleMania 1, right before, I know Bundy debuted this way, <laughs> they started doing WWF from, like, that little NWA studio. It was kind of funny, like, seeing Gorilla there. And stuff in a tiny little ring with WWF guys in it. You know, it's only maybe two months worth of shows that way. But I, I always thought that was a little cool and different. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> it's funny though. You know, as a wrestling fan, you see the little mistakes. So here's one that stuck out, Dave. And 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 I uh, I mentioned this to John too. So I'm not talking behind his back or anything. But he talks about Let's Hogan and uh, how Hogan was going to be in Rocky Three. And uh, here's what he says. So the WWF was the main promotion in the Northeast. The head of the organization, Vincent J. McMahon, was not a ruthless businessman. He was known to share gate receipts with his wrestlers. He openly told the media that wrestling was fake. I never knew that. I don't know if that's true or not. No, no, I don't know about that. I don't know about that either way. We might hang up this call right now and then this wrestling's fake. I'm out of (laughs) here. But this is the best. Though unhappy about it, he allowed one of his up-and-coming baby faces Hulk Hogan to film a cameo as Thunderlips in Rocky Three. What do you think of that, Dave? We got one little mistake and one big mistake. 
you know, because Hulk uh, obviously was a heel for uh, Vince. Right, Sr. not a baby face. Then, then letting him yeah. film the Rocky Three. If that happened, things might have just totally gone in a different direction. You know what I mean? Maybe that's a typo on this gentleman's uh, part because that's a really big. Uh, that's a big error. Yeah, and, uh, I don't know. I was surprised. And maybe but... he means that Vince Jr. eventually let let him, and he got the two confused. But like part of the story, the big part of the story is how Vince Senior would not let Hulk do that. Right, and that's why he ended up in AWA. And he went to end end up AWA, and that's where Hulkamania started the bubble, like we all know. Yeah, uh, hey, great guy. I don't want to bury the guy here on a twenty four inch podcast. Well, Everybody, makes and look, mistakes. he's a guy who doesn't know wrestling, right? About wrestling, and when you read, hey. Stuff like this is what you get. You know what I mean? This yeah, is what you at get. least he's doing it. At yeah. least he's, you know, because I wouldn't, you know, 1984, you can't have 1984 news without professional wrestling in there. And honestly, the chapter is about 35 pages. That's really the only mistake that stuck out. Yeah, I mean, that's it, you know. And he'll correct it. it. He'll correct it. Yeah. You know, this this book, this printing I got actually before the book even came out, so. He'll correct it, but it's a great book. Um, you know, it's about Michael Jordan and the 84 Olympic basketball team who had trials during the summer and tryouts. The basketball team wasn't pros yet. She so had guys like Charles Barkley and John Stockton and Michael Jordan and the future stars of the NBA in the 80s trying out. Big, huge and, stars, that I, stars that I know. Right, and these guys were just kind of hanging out where the author, who's 14 at the time, lived in Indiana where the tryouts were and they'd go to like pool halls and play pool with these guys and you know take them to minor league baseball games and they would go to proms like they were just like in the neighborhood that summer uh, which is unbelievable they talk about donald trump and his role in the the usfl was around this time um Larry, correct. Larry Bird and Magic Johnson having their first NBA Finals together, which is the first NBA Finals of David Stern, who becomes commissioner, who really understood cable um, and the way that cable would kind of change sports. Um, and he actually gives credit to Vince McMahon and David Stern as being like the two true visionaries who understood cable and what cable would mean to their business. 1984 was a big year. Yeah. I mean, for a lot of, lot of change. He talks you about. You know what I mean? Uh, cable. Yep. Uh, VCRs, video stores. Which he that talks was about. All the beginning. All the beginning of it. Uh, you know, wrestling. MTV, two years in. You know, really started to, 84, really started to expand. You know, people getting into it and stuff. The Karate so, Kid uh, as a chapter. Oh, the Karate Kid. And you could get into Ghostbusters and Gremlins. You know, 84. Sure. Yeah. So it's a. And it's funny, Steve, it's funny you mentioned Michael Jordan because his name will be coming up again here on this very show. Yeah, so I just wanted to mention uh, the book, Glory Days. Check it out if you want, because uh, I know people who appreciate this show, appreciate this era, the summer of 84 and the 90 days that changed sports and culture forever. And if you want more um, about it, you can hear my interview uh, with John Wertheim on the Sportscasters, which is the episode before this one on the feed. So, And if you order the book, guys, just we'll send you your own free bottle of Whiteout, brother. <laughs> to make sure you white out that Vince McMahon Sr. thing. I'm just kidding. All right, Dave, what are we doing today? <laughs> we are doing USA Network, WWF Primetime Wrestling, the classic Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan wraparound show. And uh, the, it's not a main event. It's called a feature match on Primetime Wrestling. It's going to be the immortal Hulk Hogan taking on none other 
than Boris Zukov from the Soviet Union. We're touching that. We're doing it all here on the 24 inch podcast. We're not avoiding certain certain guys, certain kind of matches. So this is all in good fun. So what do you think, Ben? Well, it kind of came up because Dave and I, we made a, a Google sheet for the show and we wanted to kind of see where we were at in terms of years. And, you know, how many we had done in 86, 88, 90, whatever. We wanted to get a more a better visual view of that as we're getting, you know, 14 episodes in. And the one year that was open was 88. So it's like, well, what are we going to do with 88? Well, we're probably going to do SummerSlam 88, but it's too early for that. You know, so what are we going to do? And we kind of zeroed in on the idea that we would. Um, I, I think I said to Dave, did Hogan wrestle on TV at all in 88? And uh, David remembered this match, and we decided to do the prime time. So it did air on on what Superstars originally? Superstars two days earlier. Yeah, so May we 14th. we could have done Superstars, but we decided uh, it would be more fun to do prime time, and here we are. So uh, we'll take a break in a minute. We'll talk about the opponent Boris Zukov. Uh, we'll talk about prime time wrestling. Uh, we'll talk about why Hulk didn't wrestle on TV much, and why he did when he did. We'll kind of tell the story of that. And uh, Dave will, of course, um, tell us where Hulk was in May of 88. Very different one this week. Yeah. Get so, ready. Also, later on the show, we'll do the news from May of 88. Uh, we'll go over the uh, the show itself. Uh, we'll talk about Hulk's match, of course. And then uh, at the end, we will do um, plugs, uh, uh, emails. Uh, I think Paula will join us all that later, much later. So you ready? Ready, Freddie. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back uh, with the bio you never thought you needed <laughs> on Boris Zukov. You can say that again. Thank you for listening to the 24-Inch Podcast. Don't forget to check out my other podcast, The Sportscasters, 10 years in the making. You can find it on Twitter, at sports underscore caster, or download episodes wherever you found this podcast. You can find the 24-inch podcast on Twitter as well. We're at the number two, the number four, the word inch podcast, at 24-inch podcast. Email us at 24inchpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget about our friend Peter Winson and greeting from Allentown. It's at GF Allentown Pod. Twenty-four inch podcast back. Steve Bennett, Dave Rollins, and making an early appearance on the show today is Paul. <laughs> Paula Bennett. Paula, I heard you had a birthday. Are you four years old? No. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I got it. Six years old. No. No. You can't be eight years old. I'm five years old. Uh, five years old. That's right. That's right. I five got years old. <laughs> All right. Well, Boris Zukov, the big, burly Russian wrestler. I wonder where he was born in Russia. He's got a head like a newborn infant. <laughs> His name is, wait, James Kirk Harrell? Yeah. That's weird. Born December 13th, 1951 in Roanoke, Virginia. 
of the United States of America. How about that? Uh, he played high school football at Northside High School, and uh, he had. Hopes. Wonder how they got the how they got the helmet on. <laughs> he had hopes to become a pro wrestler. He was a 160 pound wide receiver and a defensive halfback. He became interested in gaining mass his senior year, uh, which was 1977. He used to exercise at the YMCA, and he met a guy named Rick McCord, who introduced him to Don Hogan and Steve Savage, who are who really sound up like made made up wrestlers. You know, like yeah, you only Randy know Hulk Hogan, Hogan and Randy Savage, but you you make it up to Don and Steve. Uh, but apparently, they were two wrestlers from Salem, Virginia, who trained them. And uh, after wrestling in Virginia in a tag team, he moved to Atlanta, and he had his first big match. The now 210-pound Harold now called Jim Nelson, uh, teamed with Mike Stallings to lose two. To lose two, Dave? Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Sergeant Slaughter? Ivan Koloff and Ole Anderson. Ooh, interesting. Uh, he debuted in Jim Crockett Promotions in August of 1980, wrestling as Jim Nelson. In 81, he adopted the name Private Jim Nelson and joined Sergeant Slaughter's Cobra Corps. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, he formed a tag team with Corps member Don Kernoodle. Just passed it, away recently. Yep, and in May of 1982, Nelson and Kernoodle defeated. Oof, uh, 82 and uh, the High Flyers. Jay Youngblood and Pork Chop Cash. Pork Chop Cash, the legendary one. To win the NWA Mid Atlantic Tag Team Championship. Uh, they lost. Oh, we're still in NWA. Well, I mean, it's Jim Crockett no, promotions. I thought, yeah, I thought we're we're into AWA. I said the High Flyers. Mm, no, 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 not yet. Not till '85. Oh, '85. Wow. They lost the titles to Cash and Iceman Parsons in June, uh, but then they won him again till April of '82 when they lost to Young Blood and Steamboat. Steamboat. Uh, in early '83, he left the Cobra Corp. The Cobra Corpse. And began feuding with Slaughter and Canoodle, losing to Canoodle in a series of boot camp matches in April and May, and he left Jim Crockett Promotions in shame in 1983. Yeah, I don't cut you off. I didn't realize he went back this far. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I, I don't think I realized that. I thought like he started like '84 in AWA, like the first anybody's ever heard of him. I'll Very be cool. honest, I knew none of this. Yeah, to me, yeah. Honest, yeah. Uh, in May of '83, he joined. Mid-South, down in Louisiana. Um, and that's where he became Boris Zukov. Uh, he left there in September of 83 to go to World Class um, in Texas. And uh, he was a mercenary hired by Akbar to face Bruiser Brody. Uh, but he left that promotion in December of 83. So now he's like really into the flow. It's the territory era. And this is what you see with a lot of wrestlers from this area. He's going from promotion yeah. to promotion. So well, we joke about him, but I mean, he was a journeyman. Yeah, he goes from Crockett to Mid South to World Class, and he's at South. And he wasn't. Go ahead. And not working with Jabronis either. The names no, are big, given up. Yeah, big names. January of '84, he debuted in Birmingham, Alabama's based Southeastern Championship Wrestling. He was Boris Zukov there, and he feuded with wrestlers like Jacques Rougeau, Jimmy Golden, and Rick McGraw. Um, in August of 84, he defeated? Mm, 
Just of 84, who did Borsuk off defeat? I'm going to... Mm, no, Slaughter is still in the WWF in August of 84. Uh, I have no idea. Rick, Give me a Rick McGraw for the NWA Alabama uh, Heavyweight Championship. Quick draw. He then lost the title to... Uh, pork chop no cash. Pork chop cash. Guys haunting his dreams. Yeah, guys haunting his dreams. Pork chop cash. He did some jobs in the WWF around around our time too. Yeah, Harold returned to the promotion the following March. This time under a mask as Mister Russia. Uh, but he left the next month after losing a mask versus mask lights out match two. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, Steamboat. Mr. Olympia, of course. Oh, there's no mask on Steamboat. What the hell? Yeah, good old Mr. Olympia. It should have had him come in back to WWF in 2003 as Mr. Russia to take on Mr. America. Yep. Money. Good old Jerry Stubbs was Mr. Olympia, apparently. Uh, so in April of 85, Davey finally shows up. And I, heard he lo- I heard he lost his legs, Jerry Stubbs. Oh, no. God bless him. That poor guy. He's just a couple stubs. of stubs now, huh? Yeah. yeah. Stubs is stubs. Uh, he debuted in Minneapolis-based American Wrestling Association as Borzukov, adopting Chris Markoff as his manager. During 85, he challenged AWA heavyweight champion. Okay, now, Nick Bockwinkle. Rick Martell. 85, it was Rick Martell. Oh, my God. I don't know what's wrong with me today. Yep, and AWA America's champion. Sergeant Slaughter. There you go. Got you a win there. In early 86, <laughs> he formed a tag team with. Oh, right. Um, they had the they had the AWA figures. They had one of Boris. Uh, he was with, I know General Adnan was the manager. Nord yeah, the Barbarian. There he is. That's the Barbarian. The Barbarian, yep. And they occasionally team with other foreign heels, such as the Mongolian Stomper and Adnan. And after the tag team dissolved in 86, he challenged again for the AWA Heavyweight Championship against... All right, now in 86, current heading? Nick Bockwinkle. Uh, now it's Nick Bockwinkle. <laughs> <laughs> 80- if we do it, I got to brush up on my AWA, especially if we do, if we do a Hogan show. Go ahead, go to your mic. Paul is distracting me here off mic. <laughs> what do you got, baby? Can I do without my headphones? Yeah, what do you got to say? I was going to say that these guys are totally crazy dead names. Yeah, a lot of jabronis, huh? Uh-huh, and crazy names. Crazy names. Crazy right? names. I crazy know. names. I know. The 80s, all crazy names. Now... Now it's boring names in WWE now though. So in April of eighty seven name somebody who would name somebody last name Rollins? You know? In April of eighty seven he formed another team with uh, AWA April eighty seven. Soldat Ustinov. Okay. And they won a tag team tournament. And then the following month, they defeated the Midnight Rockers for the AWA World Tag Team Championship. Okay, I know them. But then in 87, he left the AWA to join the WWF. With the the explanation, hold on, with the explanation (laughs) given, being that Wahoo McDaniel had driven him out of the promotion after a brutal chain match. I love that. And do you know why he came into the WWF? Why, Why they needed him? 
because our old friend Shiggy Baby got, got arrested. Pinched, yep. Yeah, it took about a summer. Nikolai was kind of uh, floundering on his own then, but then in the fall he got his, he got a partner back. Yeah, Harold debuted in wrestling. Federation, the WWF, in October of 87, once again performing as Boris Zukov, and he formed a villainous tag team with fellow Russian Nikolai Volkov as the Bolsheviks. Um, so that brings us basically to now. Uh, he entered the 88 Royal Rumble, which was won by Jim Duggan. He took part in the King of the Ring tournament, losing two in the first round. Ooh, okay. Uh, those, those are those non-televised King of the Ring tournaments in yeah. Providence. Back in the day. Hopefully he didn't get his germs on this guy. Didn't get his germs on this guy. Iron Mike Sharp. Yes. Iron Mike Sharp. He lost to Iron Mike Sharp. Yes. Well, that, that's a bad sign when you're new to the company. Right. <laughs> Going to, I know those tor- tournaments have weird weird winners, so we'll give him a pass there. Yeah, but that's where we are uh, basically with him as he gets ready to get a big break and wrestle the Hulkster on primetime wrestling. Which I want to talk about a little bit, Dave. It debuted on January 1st, 1985, and it ran to January 4th, 1993. And Dave, I'll say this. It was absolute must-watch television for a young Steve Bennett. Gold. I mean, I would drop everything on a summer night to run home for this. And I I would beg for every minute possible during school nights uh, for this. It was my favorite wrestling TV show, I'd say, other than Saturday's main event, which has always been my favorite because it was just such a treat and had that element of mystery. I never re- really knew when it was on. But, um, yeah, I agree. But this was my show. I love Superstars. I mean, Superstars because it was so fresh and the angles happened, so you're so surprised. But, I mean, in the long run, in hindsight, primetime is, you know, that that's the one that you know warms your heart the most. And Saturday night's main event. Yeah. It but uh, it's so funny you said the summer because uh, somebody asked questions later on when we get to the emails and the questions. Uh, my dear, very close, dear, close personal, longtime friend, Anthony Pagano. Uh, I was going to say, hey, we watched every primetime wrestling together. Then I was thinking to myself today at work, that that's bullshit because we had school the next day. Every summer one, we watched, uh, watched it together. Yeah. Always at my aunt and uncle's house. So and then you you mentioned the summer. It was a very the summer prime times even have a little bit of a more more of a feel to me. Yeah, the it was a two hour show. It featured wrestling matches, mostly compiled from house shows, um, interviews, promos, and of course Bobby and Gorilla. I never seen initially an episode with Jesse. You know, when I started watching, it was Bobby, and I just kind of always thought it was Bobby. Yeah, well, it actually started with Jack Reynolds and Jesse Ventura. Which I've n- Jack- never seen that. Yeah, yeah January, uh, New Year's Day, 1985. And uh, Jack Reynolds was the, uh, uh, the play-by-play man for uh, All-Star Wrestling, which became Wrestling Challenge. Then around... July of, sometime, ni- July of 85. Yeah, I was going to say sometime after WrestleMania, became Gorilla and Jesse. Yep, July 9th was Gorilla's first show. Then... If Jesse didn't leave to go make Predator, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. We ne- may not have had this Gorilla Bobby magic. They had a lot of substitutes. They had Jimmy Hart doing some, Lord Alfred Hayes, uh, baby Johnny V. And then, you know, Bobby just – and Bobby. Well, he made stuck. his first appearance on April 28th, 86, and officially replaced Ventura on June 30th. Yeah, June 30th, he stakes. They, they were doing rotating the different managers and Al Hayes and you know, people, people like that. 
then uh then once Bobby stayed, you know, they, they got that, you know, that Laurel and Hardy thing together, Abbott and Costello, that just it's just just magic. I remember my grandmother would just like she would say like, Oh, uh Gorilla Monsoon's on tonight. She wouldn't say wrestling's on tonight, you know, it was like you're watching them. You know? Yeah. I like mean, how you say, uh, you know, uh Cosby's on. What is the that's a bad example. But you know what I mean? Some shows you just call it by the not by the name of the show by the person sure and yeah yeah well i mean until the format changed in 91 february of 91 i mean it was really you know just that sat and looking at gorilla and bobby and you know the merch they would dress up the set with and turning around to look at the screen and the matches the banana phone yeah and the banana phone and I mean, everything about it, I loved it. And the feature match, you know, the feature match. The feature match is always... Feature time. Yeah, feature time. And that's what we're going to look in today. But I wanted to kind of mention that um, as well, that, you know, this is the show at Arizona Primetime Wrestling. And um, it was a multi-camera setup, 120 minutes long. Um, the USA Network, it aired from January of 85 to January of 93. So exactly... Basically, exactly eight years, and then and that's basically basically our grammar school run, yeah, eighty five to ninety two. Yeah, and then uh, you know a lot of the matches were from MSG, also Maple Leaf Gardens, uh, the Spectrum in Philadelphia, and you really got to know which was which. You know, you got to know the the yellow arena was going to be Boston. Everything's yellow. Oh yeah. There, you oh know, yeah. Or you know whatever the tip offs were. The, if it was in Toronto, they had the big ramp. You know, yeah. you, you knew that that I, was Toronto. I think I said this once before. I, I, I said to my dad once, I was six, I was really young, like, oh, why is Madison Square Garden the real garden and uh, um, Maple Leaf is fake? Why is the, I didn't, well, I didn't say Maple Leaf, Maple Leaf. I thought it was the Make Believe Gardens, the way Gorilla <laughs> would say it, you know? That's I guess funny. I was watching too much Land and Make Believe on Mr. Rogers before I turned on wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> no, the Make Believe Gardens. But what a, rolls off the tongue. What a great. And uh, and legendary show, so I wanted to mention that. Well, the whole the whole episode is kind of surrounded around the fact. The reason we picked this is that Hulk's on TV. Dave, you want to take a minute and explain why he didn't wrestle on TV, but why he did this time? Yeah, well, Steve, you know it was it was, it was very different uh, back in those days. Uh, professional wrestling, the shows, superstars and challenge were infomercials. They weren't TV shows. They were basically loosely infomercials where you'd have the junkyard dog squash a jobber don morocco squash a jobber then go basically so you get to know junkyard dog and don morocco it wasn't for a competitive wrestling match you want to get to know these guys then they would go to mean gene in the back or sean mooney or whomever and they say hey come to madison square garden this monday night we're gonna have junkyard dog we're gonna have the magnificent morocco and hulk hogan right defending the title so then they go back to the arena and maybe you have tito santana take out a jobber Maybe one feature match just to enhance a feud or something. And you would see the angles start. And the angles that we know are the feuds between two guys. Iron Sheik's right. walking out of the ring. Sergeant Slaughter's walking down. They cross paths. We got a feud. Right. Or like, so, uh, you know, what, just use WrestleMania 3 as an example. It was on Superstars that, you know, Hercules challenged anyone to get out of the full Nelson. And Billy Jerk came down. You know, like things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, um... You know, they do all that, but you're not going to see Hulk Hogan or, at any given time, Roddy Piper or Ultimate Warrior on TV. They did them at different times, squashes. 
But there in 85, 86, there were also no Roddy Piper squashes. There were no Hulk Hogan squashes. They're your top two faces. You're you're not seeing them on TV. It's like Ghostbusters being in the movie theater and also playing on the USA Network. That ain't happening. You got to go to the movies to see Ghostbusters. Whatever movie's out, Batman, whatever it is, you got to go, get in a car, go to the theater to see that movie. Maybe on TV they'll show some of the old Batmans from the 60s or the 70s or whatever it is. But no, you got to go. It's not like the way wrestling is now, the way it became in the 2000s, where, you know, a main event might be John Cena against Randy Orton on a pay-per-view, but they'll have the match on Monday Night Raw, too, the week before, and so, in the schmatz. So with all Crazy. that said, Dave, why was Hulk Hogan on this week? Hulk Hogan is on this week once in a blue moon. They would squeak him out there, something called sweeps. I'm going to need you to explain to the audience a little better what that yeah. is. It's about so TV television ratings. sweeps. Sweeps is when they would use gimmicks to spike a rating because those were the months that they used to base advertising prices on. All comes down to advertising, yeah. my brother. So this is when you would see like a special 40-minute episode, a supersized episode of Seinfeld, you know, or yes. the moment we've all been waiting for. It's the reason why seasons ended in May and started May. in September, right? Like those Tony, are two da- separate- Tony Danza and uh, Judith Flake getting together or something like that. Yeah, all that stuff would happen in sweeps. Um, they would use the gimmicks. They would do the finales, um, you know, all to boost price to boost ratings, so that they could sell higher ad prices. It's May and November, also. Besides, yeah, May, I believe, and that's always the beginning of the season. Maybe in the sitcom, you know, the sitcom starts their seasons maybe in late September, but by, no- by November they might do the first two-parter. You know what I mean? To be continued episode that's always the big ones with the sitcoms they would be on uh november probably then again when the season's ending in may and hulk's matches you know in uh, november he uh, november 85 he showed up on championship wrestling against rusty brooks uh then obviously here is it's may against uh bar sukoff may of 88 may of 87 bob orton memorial day weekend that's a great match so most of the times I mean, he was on all the time to enhance an angle on the Brother Love Show or Piper's Pit, but actually wrestling in the ring, uh, you're not going to... I think the only other time you saw Hulk in the ring that wasn't sweeps is um, a March 90 match with Dino Bravo to uh, get ready for uh, uh, the angle with the Ultimate Warrior for WrestleMania six. That's the only time I can think of off the top of my head. The rest was in November or May. So that's, yeah, that's why. So this is all about Nielsen ratings, and Nielsen ratings is the measurement they use uh, for television, which is the number they use to sell ads. And each year, approximately 2 million paper diaries from ho- households across the country are analyzed from November, February, May, and July, also known as the sweeps ratings period. The term sweeps dates from 1954 when Nielsen collected diaries from households in the eastern United States first. From there, they would sweep west. So they'd start in the east and sweep to the west. Seven-day diaries or eight-day diaries in homes with DVRs are mailed to homes to keep a daily tally of what is watched on each television set and by whom. Over the course of a sweeps period, diaries are mailed to a new panel of homes each week. At the end of the month, all of the viewing data from the individual weeks is aggregated. So that's how they... It's just about... Look at... We, these numbers are important because they're going to sell ads based on these numbers. So let's use a gimmick. Let's do whatever we can to spike a rating during this time. So what better way to spike a rating on a wrestling show in 1988 than put Hulk Hogan on it, right? And, pl- and plus, this is a little cherry on top, brother. Hulk was 
it hadn't been seen since WrestleMania four, and you know that's unheard of. And this is uh, the middle of May, so it's basically saying he obviously was going off to make no holds bar, but this right. is like them saying basically, hey, he's still here, you know, he's still yeah. he's still part of us. So I was like, oh, I remember like really being. This is like I know I became uh, smart or smart in quotations if you want to call it that early. Maybe in like '89, I started catching on to what they're doing, and no way this will happen, no way that'll happen. But in this time, I was still kind of, you know, not that, not that way yet. So I was like, "Where the hell is Hulk?" And nobody, none of my family members who like wrestling knew he was making No Holds Barred. I don't believe until it was it was announced, you know. So I was like, "Wow, where is he?" You know what I mean? It was it was getting scary. I remember thinking this is around the time where um, um Bobby Heenan was uh, King Harley Race uh, got injured in the match with Hulk and he's bringing in a new king. And for a couple of weeks, it's a very it's a surprise. Who's it going to be? And it was a surprise until Haku walked down the aisle in that conf- uh, um, coronation. I'm searching for the word there. I'm sorry. And <laughs> I remember thinking in my little seven, eight-year-old brain, oh, my God, imagine it's Hulk. Imagine he's with Bobby Heenan and going to do what Andre did to him. Oh, after Macho Man. Oh, no. I was thinking that to the second. Uh, uh, and Bobby even... Bobby even messed up talking. He said, like, Harley Race at the hands of Hulk Hogan. And it was like putting them together as friends, kind of, the way he screwed up the words. So, yeah, that, that was the tail end of me not catching on to, oh, they would, you know, a year later, I knew they would never, ever turn Hulk. Are you crazy? But no, not, not, not then. Yet yeah, I was scared. <laughs> well, if Hulk wasn't around much, it must be a very different version of Where's Hulk this month, Dave? What do you got for us? Very, very, very different version. A uh, little condensed version. So I'm going to take the time to read a little uh, extra stuff, if uh, you listeners don't mind out there. If you don't turn off our show, let me just pull this up here. Okay, on April 18th is the first time anybody's heard from the Hulkster since WrestleMania 4 on March 27th. But he wasn't in the ring on April 18th. He was at the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards, not there in person. But he was there, and he won the award for Best Male Athlete, defeating the sweetness Walter Payton and none other than Air Jordan, Michael Jordan himself. That's quite a feat for the Hulkster in 1988. Uh, they showed a clip on Superstars of him accepting the award. He wasn't there in person, but uh, they filmed it, a clip of him accepting awards. The award is funny. He was never nominated any, any other year, not even nominated. And you think I wonder if they set that up to build buzz for the for the movie. I wonder. Could be, yeah. could be. But remember, the movie didn't come out for a whole another year. It was oh, just true. Made at, true. Just being right. made at this time. Um, yeah. I'm Steve. Uh, I'm gonna take I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a page from your book, and uh, maybe I won't do them all here. But the '88 Kids Choice Awards. I'm gonna give you the three. Okay. And you tell you tell me you tell me who wins. All I'm right? ready. Yeah. All right. Let's start with uh, favorite movie. Now this is in, this is in between. Uh, there's three nominees for each one. Adventures in Babysitting, Beverly Hops, Beverly Hills Cop Two, or La Bamba. Mm. Mm. Man, Beverly, I wanna, I'm tempted to say Beverly Hills Cop, but I'll go with Babysitting. Ah, go 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 with your gut, brother. Your Axel gut. Foley wins. Beverly mm. Hills Cop Two. Favorite movie actor. There he is again. Axel Foley, Eddie Murphy, Arnold Schwarzenegger for The Running Man. And Patrick Swayze for Dirty Dancing. I'll go with Murphy. You got it. Ding, 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 ding. Mm-hmm. Favorite movie actress. We got Shelley Long for Hello Again. Elizabeth Shue, friend of ours, for Adventures in Babysitting. 
And none other than the British Bulldog. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Whoopi Goldberg for Fatal Beauty. Never oh even heard of that. Goodness. I, I'll go with I'll go with Allie with an I. We got Whoopi Goldberg as your winner. Oh. I can't picture any, I can't picture any kids voting oh. for. I mean, not again. I no, I'm not a fan, but I didn't I didn't mind her back then. But I still can't picture any kids voting for Whoopi Goldberg. I was never never a fan per se. I'd never interested in her work. We'll do a few more. I liked her in uh, Ghost. I guess that's a good movie. That's about as far as I go. Uh, favorite TV show. We got a favorite of mine, Growing Pains. Probably my favorite sitcom ever. The Cosby Show or Alf? Cosby. The winner is Alf. Alf. In 88, oh. too. Somebody's really surprised. Except for Hogan, somebody surprised me. But some people might say, hey, Hogan beat Michael Jordan. Hide your cat. Uh, then, all right, we'll do one more. Yeah, yeah. Um, favorite TV actor. We got Bill Cosby himself for Dr. Hoxable. Michael J. Fox for the great Alex P. Keaton and Family Ties. And Kirk Cameron for Mike Seaver and Growing Pain. My whole time in the back of my head, I'm like, it's got to be um, Cameron. So I'll go with Cameron. No, it's Michael J. Fox. I, uh, I was. I like both those guys. I like both those guys. So, so I'm okay with it either way. Yeah, I mean, obviously. Cameron already, married a girl from uh, Buffalo, too. Mary How about that? Oh, she, um, uh, wasn't she in the show or is that a different wife now? Uh, I think she was He's in married the show, to yeah. But, Kate, Kate on Growing Pains. Yeah, I don't. I'm not positive about that, but I know it's his wife's from Buffalo. From Mary, she went to Maryville High School. All right, we got to do music. We'll just then we'll stop. Okay. Okay. F- uh, favorite male vocalist. We got. It's not actual vocalists besides one. They have the Monkees in 1988. I guess it was some kind of. And they're showing the old shows on TV. The Fat Boys. That kind of rubs me the wrong way. And Bon Jovi. Mm, I go with the New Jersey guy. You got it, brother. Oh, oh wait a minute, we don't know where the Fat Boys are from. <laughs> I know a couple. I know a couple Fat Boys down the street. Okay, now uh, well, this is the last one. This was okay. fun. Favorite, uh, f- favorite female vocalist, the great Janet Jackson. We got Susanna Hoff and the Bangles, and Madonna. Madonna, you got it. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. All right, what the last? This is the last one we've done. All all. Right. Favorite favorite song between "I Want to Dance Somebody" Whitney Houston, "Control" by Janet Jackson, and "La Bamba" by Los Lobos. Oof, Janet. La Bamba wins it. Oh, fifty song. How about that? And that's it. Kids' Ch- Choice Awards, nineteen eighty-eight. Chelsea Noble met Kirk Cameron while he was visiting his little sister Candace, and instead of Full House, they later co-starred on Growing Pains together. They dated in real life and got married July twenty first, nineteen ninety one, in Cheektowaga, New York, which is where right, nice. where I lived at the time, and it was a big deal that that wedding was happening. Yeah, nice looking woman too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have six children, four adopted. How about that? Four, and they're raising them right, in my opinion. Yeah. All Don't right. Leave that alone. Anything else? That's it, my brother. Oh, what? there is something. Oh my, how could I forget this? We're 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 screwing around. We're actually really are playing kids games here. Well, we have the big piece of news. Hulk went on, well, besides the big piece of news, from April 18th, April 21st, New Haven, Connecticut. He made a one-off appearance on a Superstars of Wrestling taping going over Boris Sukoff in front of 12,000 fans. Then on May 5th, none other than Brooke Teeny. Brooke Hogan is born in Tampa, Florida. The WWF, nothing on TV about uh, Hulk having his first child. I think it's trying to... Hold that superhero character that he's not a real guy. He's he's 
the wrestler and that's it. What do you think, Steve? Because they did the Steamboat uh, baby announcement the year prior. Yeah, it could have been Hulk's decision. Who knows? You know, could have been his. Well, they didn't. They didn't do Nick. Uh, Nick either. Two years later. Yeah, it could have been Hulk. But the Brook Brookamania, Brook Tinney, born May fifth, nineteen eighty eight. Then it's on to No Holds Barred for the Hulkster in Atlanta. Apparently, him and Vince McMahon having some party favors, having a lot of fun rewriting that movie in an Atlanta hotel to be a fly on the wall. Yeah, they were ins- insane. Both of those guys. I mean. Just rewriting it every night, I guess. You know, just insanity. I think, they, and I think they deep down love each other today. I know they get along now and everything, but it's, it's a love hate. But I think it's, I think it's more of a, more of the love. I, I don't think that if Vince wasn't still alive and around, I don't think Triple H and M would be having Hulk around as, as much as he is. And my, that's just my opinion. So sounds, I think it's all Vince. All right, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we got the news, we got the show, we got the match. So, uh, you ready, Dave? We got to Four Inch Podcast. We are back. Exciting episode. The first time we've touched our toes into the year 1988. And before we get to the wrestling at hand, Dave, it's time for me to read the news. All right, May 1st, 1988, after scoring 50 points in Game 1 of his Eastern Conference playoff series against the Cleveland Cavaliers in the arena where we had our last show, uh, Michael Jordan has 55 points in a 106-101 against the Cavs. He's the first to score 50 points in consecutive playoff games. And man, does he stick it in the Cavs this entire series? I'm sure there'll be more on that. Now I know this this time was he was really start. You know, he was a, still the, the best player in the league in '88. This is really but when he becomes Michael Jordan. When it's become, they start yeah. selling the sneakers in the store oh, yeah. and everything. I know '90, 1990. That's that's logo. You know, with him dunking the ball, the shadow of him was just everywhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was in '88, if that was there yet or not. You know, because I'm not a sports guy, but uh, I couldn't. You know, I liked Michael Jordan. I mean, who, who didn't? How, how could you not? Yep. May 2nd, Pete Rose is the manager of the Reds, and he's suspended for 30 days for pushing an umpire, and it's not the last time, of course. Poor uh, Pete Rose. That he'll be suspended. On Big May, name on our show. On May 3rd, 4,200 kilograms of Colombian cocaine is seized at Tapering Springs, Florida. So hmm. I think that's a big part of... Uh, Cocaine Cowboys, if you've ever seen that. Yeah, or may have may may or may have not have been sent to Kearney, New Jersey after that. <laughs> Keep that in mind. Um May fourth, the USSR, uh the home of our Hulk yes. opponent today. Performs that? a nuclear test 
in Eastern Kazakh. I'm sure they were thrilled about that, the Eastern Kazakhs. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else do we got here? May 7th, the 114th Kentucky Derby. Gary Stevens on Winning Colors is the winner. I'll be honest, I've oh, ne- never heard of that big, horse. Big Saturday in May. Piomai. Piomai. That's a that's a beautiful horse. Poor Piomai. You know, I met you there. Did you know that I met? You met the real Piomai. The yeah. real, still alive. It's not like a dog. They they yeah. live like thirty years. Yeah. Double double of a dog. Yeah. They, yeah. I had actually had a fight with the. Uh, I came into Sopranos Con to meet my friends because I was, uh, you know, we came in two different cars. They got there first. And you know, like you know, just go in and you know, phones nowadays. You know, I'll call you and you will find me. And at first, like vendor, I see is the lady with Piamai. And you know, I know animals. Everything I go up, I start petting her snout. But I'm not like bothering her. She's resting. She comes running over. Hi. I'm like, whoa. What? I don't like when people talk to me rude for no reason. I'm like, you could have walked over and asked me and told told me that nicely you don't have to run over and make i look like an asshole now with all these people around like i didn't and i I don't like that shit and we had a but she went back we had words like you couldn't believe (laughs) you know pio my's owner in hollywood dave rolls very rude you could come come and tell me you know in a nice way hey you know she's resting right now if you want to come back oh okay oh my god it was i don't know what people were putting her through all day but hey don't take it out on me well, on May 8th, 1988, Francois Mitterrand is elected president of France. The 21st president of France. Big day. Big day for Francois. I wonder if Andre voted for him. Also on that day, Mike Tyson. Oh, tough day for Mike. He crashes his $183,000 Bentley on Varick Street in New York City. Varick Street. Well, yeah, that's where the culture club is. I don't know if it is there anymore, but once the 80s started becoming retro, you know, maybe around 2003, 2004, uh, they had a uh, New York City club called the Culture Club there with all 80s music and people, you know, the people dress up like Boy George and Prince and, you know, that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, before, little did we know, they should have put Michael, uh, Mike, Mike Tyson's crashed up car in there as an exhibit. <laughs> I read stories in his book that he wrote. He has a great book, Mike Tyson. I love Mike Tyson. I'm a fan. I oh, feel sometimes his, his book is incredible. I mean, the shit that happened is even if only fifty percent of it is true, it's great. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but, uh, I, I've not read his book, but but he talks about how he would get pulled over and be in trouble, so he'd just give the cop his car to not be in trouble. <laughs> to take the car, that's awesome. Yeah, he'd be like, just how about if I just give you this Bentley, and then <laughs> we'll call it even. That's like, amazing. Signing pink slips on the side of the road. Uh, I, yeah, I've never. Yeah, I was gonna say, what about the pink slips? To get out of trouble. Uh, yeah, I've never heard of anybody doing that before. That's great. Isn't it great how, I don't even know if you know about this, the AEW somehow gets him as a guest. Of course, because he was a prior WWE guest. <laughs> They're doing these you know, these matches where none of the guys are stars besides Jericho. And you know, it, it, Tyson's sleeping there. <laughs> sitting, sitting that ringside. You know, nowadays with social media, you can't do nothing. And usually I get mad about stuff like that. But not when it comes to... Making fun of Tony Khan and AEW. I loved it. That's <laughs> that's funny. That's really funny. Yeah. May 8th, amateur referees work the New Jersey Devils Boston Bruins playoff game as NHL referees walked off due to a restraining order brought by the Devils. I believe the Devils. Wow, big strike. Head coach was screaming at one of them, telling him to eat another donut. I remember that vaguely. Eat uh, another donut. Okay. Eat another donut was the insult. May I must have been. Cracking the ice. May 11th, Mario Andretti records the fastest lap at the Indianapolis 500. 
Well, I guess that's wow. why he's Mario Andretti, right? There he is. Uh, May 11th, the NHL Clarence Campbell Finals. The Edmonton Oilers beat the Detroit Red Wings four games to one. They'll go on to the Stanley Cup. Uh, we'll see who, who meets them there in a couple days. I'm I'm sure. okay. uh, let's see what else. Oh, we always got to get one of these in. Mail closes at Music Box Theater, New York City, after only 36 performances. We got to get a kayfabe sponsor and make it a Broadway play. Then have it go out of business. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the first non-pitcher in 20 years to get a decision in a baseball game is Jose Oquendo. He and the St. Louis Cardinals lose to the Braves 7-5 to in 19 innings. So he takes the loss. What they're saying there, Davis, he was like an outfielder who uh, oh. had a pitch for some reason, and he took the loss. That's crazy. Has yeah. that ever happened before? Well, this was the first time it happened in 20 yeah. years back in 88. So. Oh. Uh, May- uh, Chet May- Zickowitz, uh, friend of the show, big Braves fan. Yeah, so am I. May 14th. That's right. The NHL Prince of Wales Conference Final, the Boston Bruins. Beat the new before mentioned New Jersey Devils four games to three, so it'll be the Bruins and the uh, and the Oilers in the um, in the finals. Oh, and, final uh, Stanley Cup. Some hot nights in the Boston Garden during that Stanley Cup. The uh, yeah, the electricity did not hold up. Yeah, you could, you could tell, and uh, I know everything goes back to wrestling with me, but uh, you could tell some of those Boston Gardens house shows dripping. Gorilla would have his jacket oh, yeah. off, com- commentating there. Yeah, brutal. Uh, May 16th, those arenas back then were brutal in the summer. May 16th, U.S. Supreme Court rules that trash may be searched without a warrant. You throw it out, Now, does that mean game. like uh, like the type of person? Like some people could be searched, houses can be, if you're trash, if you're white trash, the house <laughs> can be ser- searched without a warrant. No, I think so, that's subjective. If, if you're okay, if you're a middle class or something, no, I you think, still got to have a warrant. I think they mean more literal trash, like in a can. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, the... Uh, this is great. I just listened to this recently. Uh, May 20th, Howard Stern fans disrupt WMMR and John DeBella's Louis Louis parade. So Louis Louis. DeBella, How do I know that name? John DeBella. I would got he's a DJ and he was relentlessly, relentlessly targeted by Stern's ambition. Um, Stern just targeted him for years. I think when his wife, him and his wife got divorced, he brought his wife on for dial a date. Um, just brutal. So, so Howard did not like this guy. Well, I don't think Howard didn't. It's not that he didn't like him. It's that DeBella dared to go against him. You no, know, I, I know think, from the movie. I know Don Imus. Yeah, like, like him. DeBella was pick, no, number one in Philadelphia when Stern. That's sp- where I know him from. Spread out because I taped. I taped all my most of my wrestling TV, and I'm a big Three Stooges mark. Uh, were taped off of Philadelphia TV because we had it here in Jersey, the Fox affiliate. Okay. And I think he, he John DeBella, he had like a big mustache, look kind of like Jake the Snake. He would do uh, the bumpers for gotcha. the shows. Okay. Stuff. So there, you, you answered my question. There you go. I thought he was pig vomit for a second when you said Howard Stern didn't like him. Speaking of Philadelphia, on May 20th, Mike Schmidt, their third baseman, hit his 535th home run, moving into eighth place. Dave, give me... Two baseball players in the top ten in home runs today. Jose Canseco. Oh, today? Yeah, like the today, as of today, the current list of the oh. top ten home runs of all time. Give me Mark two McGuire. guys in that list. Uh, I'll check McGuire. He's probably really close to the top ten, if not in the top ten. Who else you got? 
Jose Canseco? No. Well, um, uh, Willie Mays? Willie Mays is definitely in the top ten, yep. All right, so did I get two? So you right. got, yeah, well, let's let's check on McGuire. He's real close. Uh, he's actually 11, so close Sammy enough. Sosa. Sammy Sosa is nine, yep. Okay. Yep. Do you know who number one is? Uh, Babe Ruth? I don't know. No, he's number three. Number three? Number uh, one is a contemporary star who is under the cloud of steroid allegations, um, but a, a mega star since we've been alive. Mega, mega I baseball said, star. I said Jose Canseco already. Yeah, no. Right? Yeah. Steroids. Mark McGuire said already. Um, who's the guy in the Mets? Not on the Mets. Not him. That likes metal? No. That's Mike Piazza. Not Mike him. Piazza. I mean, a mega, uh, mega, mega star. Don Mattingly? Barry Bonds. Ah, oh, I would have got it. If, you, if I kept going, I would have got it. <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't looking good. May 21st, Weird L. Yankovic. <laughs> Weird L. Yankovic is fat. A parody of Michael J- Jackson's Bad. Hits number 99. I don't know why that's news. That's odd. Yeah, you know, it's funny you said that. In like 2014, he had an album come out, and it hit. I was still checking in 2014 the Billboard charts. I would do it every week. It ended maybe sometime around 2016. I gave up because it didn't make sense anymore the way they do it. But I would still check them then, and he had a number one album in 2014, uh, uh, Weird Al Yankovic. Not surprised. Crazy, right? What? Uh, where do you think, maybe you've seen it, maybe you didn't, but where do you think Wolfgang Van Halen's first album debuted on the Billboard Top 200? Okay, so that was about a month ago. Um, well, it just came out on June tw- different June fourteenth, I think, and um, so the so chart, this week. the first chart, just came out. You know, so just came out. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so usually like a week and a half later. Yeah. Uh, okay. This this day and age, I'm not following it. I mean, I'm I'm gonna say uh, between twenty and thirty. Twelve. Okay. Top twelve independently produced album, rock and album, it, it, debut. It counts downloads now, obviously. Okay, now here's an interesting one. May, no, June 24th, okay, June 24th, at whatever time it is right now, the Montreal Canadiens have eliminated the Vegas Knights and are headed to the Stanley Cup Final. They will face the winner of Game 7 between uh, Tampa Bay, the defending champions, and uh, and the the New York Islanders, which is uh, Friday tomorrow, but yeah. the Canadians have a chance to be the first team from Canada to win the Stanley Cup since 1993 when the won it. Uh, Calgary Flames, Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> the the Calgary Flames, I believe, are the last team from Canada to have a chance at the Cup. At least they had a chance. Yeah, when they lost to Tampa. In 2004, 2005, something like that. But, yeah, I just uh, had it on kind of in the background. You're lucky I even give you a name, an actual name. (laughs) But, yeah, the the Montreal Canadiens on the way to the cup final. Unbelievable. Beat Vegas. All right. uh, What else do we got? Oh, May 23rd, Maryland stopped sale of cheap pistols on January 1st, 1990, which, of course, has made gun violence disappear in Baltimore, Maryland. Yeah, since 1988. Yeah, they have had no... It worked. It worked well. The wire, all that kind of stuff. Oh, here... It's all good. I mentioned this earlier, May 24th, a power outage in Boston Garden during the Stanley Cup Finals. Holy shit. Yeah, it went out for a while, too. 
I think they, they had to stop the game and pick it back they're, up. They were playing water polo after a while, probably. Yeah. May 26th, the Edmonton Oilers beat the Bruins 6-3 to for a four-game sweep. And uh, it's the last Stanley Cup that Wayne Gretzky wins in Edmonton. The last one he wins ever. Of course, he was on the losing end of the 93 Canadians. Him and his Los Angeles Kings were the losing team that year. But, uh, That's the team I remember him being on in L.A. Yeah, that was his last cup in Edmonton uh, on that day in 88. And then we'll end here. Uh, May 27th, the Senate ratified a treaty eliminating medium-range nuclear missiles. So that's it for those beautiful medium-range nuclear missiles are Dunsky. And, yeah. that, and that's the news, Dave. The news. The news. The news. <laughs> the news. <laughs> we should have Howard Finkel do a soundbite. The news. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to call him? Yeah, yeah unfortunately. Yeah. Let's see if you can get him. That's not going to happen. All right. All right. Next piece of business is the show, of course. Primetime Wrestling. Uh, before I get to that, though, this this card uh, has a lot of matches on it from a few different places. Uh, but the match that we're going to focus on, the Hulk Hogan match, uh, takes place at the New Haven Coliseum. Uh, and we've been doing this recently, and I want to keep doing it and talk about the New Haven Coliseum, a sports and entertainment arena located in downtown New Haven, Connecticut. Construction began in 1968 and was completed in 72. It officially closed on my birthday, my 22nd birthday, 2002, um, by Mayor John DeStefano Jr., and it was demolished by implosion on January 20th, 2007. I know a girl that actually uh, got a seat of the Poison Show. She was out there. She lives over that way. Okay. She got a seat. when I, I, I knew her around 2002, like around that time. It was. I remember her telling me that. The formal name was the New Haven Veterans Memorial Coliseum, but most limp- most locals simply refer to it as the New Haven Coliseum. I heard a pretty cool story the other day, Dave. The uh, One of the most famous Buffalo Sabres like from the 70s passed away, this guy named Rene Robert. Huh. And uh, he he played at the old building exclusively, you know, the odd, our, our, our version of the Boston Garden. or trying, You know, that, that the older, the last generation arena. Yeah, before, pre, pre-95. And uh, when it was demolished, he got the concrete. And crushed it down wow. and poured his driveway with the concrete from wow. the arena. Isn't that pretty sweet? That's very sweet. Yeah. It's something I would never think of myself. Yeah. But it was something I would do, though. Isn't that if, so cool? I, I thought of it. Yeah. God God rest his soul, Renee Robert. But I just thought that was such a cool kind of a little thing. But I love it because, you know, like family members about different things I'm into and all the wrestling and the music. Oh, you're out of your mind saving that, doing this. And there's millions of us around the world. We exist. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Rene Robert Psycho saved fan. the concrete from the old barn. Amazing. Uh, the Coliseum held 11,497 people at full capacity. Uh, 4.5 acres of land. It was next to the Knights of Columbus building and faced the Oak Street, Connecticut, Route 34, downtown Spur. Uh, the Coliseum hosted the New Haven Knights of the United Hockey League and all kinds of different New Haven Hockey teams, whether they be AHL teams like the New Haven Senators or the Beast of New Haven, which is a pretty cool name for an AHL team. I like team. that name, yeah. Yeah, uh, they also had an Arena Football League 2 team called the New Haven Ninjas. So some good names. A bunch of different sports teams, minor league. Uh, it was also the second home to Yale University Hockey, who played games sporadically 
um, at the Coliseum over the years, but no games were played there while this relative yeah, of mine was on the team. My brother, yeah, my brother played uh, for the Yale hockey men's team, but he played from 2011 to 15. So yeah, near and dear to your heart, Yale, Yale mm-hmm. University. I know New Haven very well. Uh, notably, in 1986, the Coliseum served as a setting for Van Halen's multi-platinum concert film, Live Without a Net, which I've watched a million times. Uh, many of the era's most prominent musical stars also appeared at the Coliseum. The pilot episode of SmackDown was filmed there on April 27th, that? 1999. I remember when that aired. Yep. Yeah. Tool was the final musical guest on August 20th, 2002. And the final event ever held there was a professional wrestling show held by the World Wrestling Federation, one of their original attractions in the arena since 72. The WWE considered the Coliseum its home arena, as it was, for much of its history, the closest venue to the headquarters in Stamford, Connecticut. Most matches were broadcast first on WTNH, as well as on local UHF stations. Um... A poster archiving all concerts hosted at the Coliseum uh, was put on the parking lot on March 4th, 2021, a commemoration of the Coliseum and rock and roll culture. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, people love to play this venue because you could play it before you played the garden, and it was almost like an official warm-up city before you got to the bright lights in New York. Yeah, I actually, I've never been there. I've been to the Hartford Civic Center. I've been to the Bridgeport. I believe it's Webster Bank Arena. I've been to those too, but I've never been to uh, New Haven, unfortunately. How about you? Well, obviously, I've been to New Haven a million times. This arena was closed before I ever been there. It was closed by the time. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, probably why. You know, I started you know in the two thousands going to all these different concerts and yeah. shit like that, and it was gone by then, or it would have. Yeah, I mean, <clears> it's funny that you mentioned Howard Finkel before because I believe this is where uh, he came from, where they found him. Uh, working, uh, I don't know, setting up the ring or doing some kind of work in the New Haven Coliseum in, in those early days. 2010, there was a documentary film called The Last Days of the Coliseum. I'd love to watch that. I don't know why. I just yeah, me too. Wow. Interesting to me. So I'll look that where's, up. Where's that available? Are you going to look uh, it up? I don't know. I'm looking now. Um, it was made by a filmmaker named Rich Hanley and narrated by Brian Smith and explores the history of the New Haven Coliseum, its role in southern New England culture. Um, and, of course, it goes on to say a lot of the stuff we just said. But that's uh, the Coliseum. The list of artists that played there, which we usually have, isn't on the um, what I have here in front of me. But I'll tell you it's extensive. And it's probably virtually anyone because, like I said, uh, New Haven, as a New Haven, not only did people play the Coliseum, but they would play bars like Toadies. Um, I think the Rolling Stones famously played it. Um, played there in the um, wow in the earlier mid seventies as a warm up show. They would use, people would use New Haven would, under they probably they probably played under a different name. Yeah, they would. That's what they would do. They would sneak over to New Haven, get a show in, and then go to New York City like the next day or whatever. So great pizza over there. I understand. Too. Oh, unbelievable! Uh, Frank Pepe's uh, box. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anytime I was in New Haven, which was often, like I said, from two thousand eleven to two thousand fifteen. Uh, I was certainly uh, there for the pizza, so I gotta, I gotta visit, I gotta visit that city. I, my procrastinating life, uh, it's on my list. It's you know, it's okay <laughs> for. It's, uh, <laughs> I just, uh, you know, just uh, to say it, you it's not go, that far away. You can go to a Yale hockey game with me sometime. 
Maybe when they I enjoy the, I enjoy uh, hockey games live. When they have the ten year anniversary, uh, you know, celebration for the national championship team, I'll, I'll have you come to that. I went to a hockey game at Brutus Beefcake once. There was two faceoffs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brutus is a huge hockey fan, actually, a big uh, Boston yeah. Bruins fan. And uh, yeah, he was seen there. Seen there. He lived in Boston for a while. It's when they had the uh, anthrax scare at the. Uh, Port Authority or whatever it was, the path train. Peter Winston and Brutus once traveled to Chicago together for a, a together but apart for a hockey game. That's an inter- interesting pair if there ever was one. Yeah. All right. So the show, it's uh, prime time, uh, 516.88. Of course, it airs on the USA Network. And it's an incredible show <laughs> uh, because... Um, Bobby Heenan shows up at a house in the woods with a group of movers and a bunch of technical equipment. Uh, Bobby recaps the entire saga of the new set that he keeps accidentally breaking and finally reveals that they're at Gorilla's (laughs) vacation house to try to coax him out of it. Bobby reveals that his plan is to tape the entire show as solo host in front of Gorilla's house. Just just shove it in the big guy's face and show him that primetime wrestling doesn't need him. Bobby shows off how smoothly things are running by introducing the first match, Special Delivery Jones versus Pete Doherty. But, of course, the first match is The Rock, Tom Morocco, with superstar Billy Graham versus the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase with Virgil. Do you want me to take a pause? you want to react to that? Yeah, I'll react to that. Uh, but before I started reacting to the match, uh, what got us here, uh, the prime time the week before, it was the old blue set, and then they brought in a piece of the new set at the end of the show, and Bobby broke a piece off, and Gorilla walked off, and Bobby was, was on his own and fumbling and stumbling and everything. Then finally he walks off, and the show's not over yet. It goes to break one more time, so it comes back, there's nobody there. So Mean Jeans got to walk in. So Mean Jeans doing the last segment or something, and they catch the, the makeup lady doing his makeup because he had to like rush in there. And the new set's there, keep in mind. And as the makeup lady's doing the, his makeup, she's he's sitting and she's standing. And he turns around and looks at the set, looks at her and goes, nice set. <laughs> <laughs> Too good. I'll never, never forget it. Yeah. But that, that, that's, that's what got us here. Too good, 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 Paul good. Good, good, good. Yeah. Uh, I but that, that's what got us here. He's, Bobby's trying to get Gorilla... To whatever come back to the show or or, or whatever it is. <laughs> well, the first and this, this is uh, this is Nelson Swagler's Lake House, the producer for uh, Primetime Wrestling and uh, TNT. And later on, nice Lake House. He had, yeah, he had such a relationship with with everybody. Later on, he had his own show, still filmed in the Owen City, Maryland studios, where they did TNT in primetime, called Bingo Break in 1994. And Gorilla Monsoon as Robert Morella was the host of this, like, uh, morning game show for women. And Sean Mooney, did he, he was involved, too. It, it was hilarious. How the, you, could, you could find a couple of them on YouTube. It was only on in the uh, Baltimore market. You know, we didn't see it here. And uh, he actually had Bobby on as a guest while Bobby was in WCW. Isn't that something? It's wild, yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Very cool. So the first match is The Rock with a million dollar man versus a million-dollar man. This is taped on Sarah's main event. Uh, the match is whatever. DiBiase wins. It's, I think, set up to imply that DiBiase paid off the ref um, to win the match. 
Um, I think that's yeah. sort of what's implied there. This is a strange situation, Steve. This is this match actually was part of the Saturday Night's main event, not just taped there. With with it was part of the MVC with Jesse and Vince. This was the first one where they taped the Saturday Night's main event. This is in Springfield, Massachusetts, on April thirtieth, and this is the first Saturday Night's main event that wasn't taped on its own. It was taped with Wrestling Challenge, which had to be a five-hour Tuesday night in Springfield, Mass. But um, they showed this match on the Saturday Night's main event, but then two weeks later, May 15th, they act like it's a, it's a Wrestling Challenge match, and Gorilla and Bobby uh, t- uh, voice over it. And they did that also with the Beefcake Davis Saturday Night main event match and the Doug and Hercules. That's the only time it's ever been done before. They used the matches for syndicated show and the actual Saturday Night's main event. Isn't that crazy? Wild. Uh, yeah. Gorilla busts on Bobby for screwing up the show, the, uh, the very first match, and Bobby blames the crew for playing the wrong tape. Bobby drops the bombshell that he's going to assume Gorilla's role on the show and that he's hired Bobby Uecker to be his co-host. <laughs> of all people. Yeah, Gorilla laughs that off and walks away, and Bobby tries to introduce the next match, then realizes... The two of you, could, the two of you couldn't get locked up. And then he realizes mid tantrum that he fired the guy who had his notes for the show. <laughs> He's confused because the format says the next match, especially Delivery Jones versus Doherty, but that can't possibly be right because that was the first match. But of course, the second match is SD Jones versus Pete Doherty, <laughs> and it's from the Boston Garden this time. Uh, Gorilla pretty much announces straight up that Doherty sucks so badly on commentary that the WWF has stopped asking him to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was that was probably true. Yep. That's probably, definitely, definitely I loved the uh, yeah, Paula as a kid. I, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am, Paula. I loved uh, Pete Doherty as a kid, though. Cause like he looks like a cartoon character, crazy. You know what I mean? Just out of his mind. And I think he went over SD here, right? Yeah. Uh, SD Jones gets in an argument with the ref, and Doherty sneaks over and rolls him up for three. And Doherty had to hightail it out of there quick, because this was May seventh in the Boston Garden because he was in No Holds Barred as part of the Battle of the Tough Guys. Oh, yeah. Uh, a special interview with Craig DeGeorge. Uh, he has ravishing Rick Rude and Bobby Heenan. Uh, mommy loves him. <laughs> mommy loves him. Oh, Rick Rude. <laughs> we heard that. That came over the air. <laughs> oh, the Rude Awakening, maybe, Steve. Yeah. You're happy the Buffalo... Municipal Auditorium is no longer there. Yeah, keep him away from my wife, right, Paula? <laughs> <laughs> Paula has this joke. That shows that that this stuff, it's doing this job at any time. Mommy, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. What does Rick Rude say to everybody? I need everyone. Go ahead. You got it. Tell him. Set your noise though I take off my wall. That's right. So the way the real man looks like. Oh, I love it. Exactly. You're gonna go. Vi- you're gonna go music. viral, kiddo. Hit the music. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Craig DeGeorge is with Rude and Heenan. Uh, Jake's just jealous of Rude. That's all. Uh, Heenan brings out a lady, quote unquote, and I use that term loosely, from the crowd for the Rude Awakening. The woman faints at the end, and if memories serve, I thought she. I thought this one. Most of them were pretty, pretty rough, pretty busted. I thought this one was okay. Yeah, not bad. I yeah, was, I would have made out. I was at a. Uh, I was at a Jake Roberts. You know, he does those shows now, and I was yeah. at one of the very first ones. And he told a story where they played a joke on Rude that 
he had a girl with him. Now I have Paul across the way, so I got to be careful here. I'll tell the story another time. Remind me another time yeah, to tell okay, the story. That, this one's a little X-rated. Yeah, Jake said about this. All right. The next uh, next up is the Fabulous Rougeau Brothers versus Rick Ganter and Tony Leone. It's a match from Superstars of Wrestling. Um, I don't remember much about Ganter and Leone. I mean, they're just jobbers, obviously. Yeah, Le- Leone, that yeah. name, you know, because it rhymes. It He was around a lot as a jobber at this time, but uh, nothing of note. Uh, the Rougeos remind us that they love the United States. They want nothing to do with uh, Dino Bravo and Vince vouches for their character. Yeah, uh, man. This, go ahead. This is that little in-between time where they're starting to show those signs of a heel turn. You know, you know this. I don't know if the little American flags came out yet, but it's uh, you know a little salt in the wound. Uh, the Rougeos, they have their finisher, and they get it off, and uh, they win. Uh, Bobby then rehires the guy with the notes and apologizes profusely. Uh, and the next match is Scott Casey and the before noted germaphobe Iron Mike Sharp. That's really funny. This was the charm of this show. I loved these matches for whatever reason as a kid, where there was just two guys that I would usually see on Superstars getting their butt kicked in thirty seconds. Wrestling. I knew I liked each it. other. Wrestling yeah. each other. Like wrestling oh, I wonder each who's other. gonna win. Yeah. It's like a real sport. Like, oh, these guys are, are the lower level, and they got to fight each other here while, you know, Macho Man's fighting Ricky Steamboat or, you know, whatever it is. Sure. But in this case, Casey's the one who surprises Iron Mike with the crucifix for three, and he wins. Uh, the next match is a ladies' tag team title match. The Jumping Bomb Angels are the champions. Uh, the Glamour Girls with Jimmy Hart are there. Um, and it's, you know... This was the match they had, right? I mean, there's not a lot. If you've seen one match between them, you've kind of seen them all in a way. Yeah, they're all good. This one's a yeah. little older. This one's from March 5th in uh, Boston. The other matches are from the week before, May 7th. Uh, this, like, I, I didn't think the uh, the girls, Bob Angel, were still around by May, and they weren't. It was um, this, you know, because this match is from March. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, they ran its course. Too bad they couldn't bring in, you know, another girl tag team from Japan or from somewhere. And uh, keep it going because it was it was cool to have a girl match, uh, ladies match, you know, here and there. Uh, I, I didn't mind it, but uh, it never it never held its ground. It always disappeared. Uh, an amazing drop kick brings all four women into the ring, and a simple black side gets the win for the Bomb Angels. Good match. Uh, Bob Uecker's agent keeps hanging up on Bobby Heenan. <laughs> And uh, then we go to the event center. Gene Okerlund keeps a straight face as he calls the Bam Bam Gang match at WrestleMania 4. Bam Bam Gang match? That's on Fred. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, the Flintstones? Yeah. Paul's cool. got a Flintstone reference out here. You got, you got a cool daughter. Yep, she's busting out with the Flintstone references. Yeah, you're, raise, you're raising this one right. Yep, we get comments from Slick who says, Gang will make Bam Bam Big Little Beg for mercy, baby. Mercy. <laughs> Gene goes on to say that Strike Force was jobbed out of the titles at WrestleMania, and we feel, hear from Strike Force they want their titles back. Next up, Outlaw Ron Bass versus Burt Centeno. Um, this is from Houston, I believe, and we got the we got Pritchard on announcing here. Yeah, no, it, it was a regular taping. Uh, I think it was the same taping from New Haven, but. Uh, or Springfield, where Challenge was, but for some reason they they Bruce usually did the Houston ones. Right. For okay. some reason he, some reason he did voiceovers here, and it 
I, I don't know. I had a little THC in my system when I was watching this. Not a big weed guy, but you know, n- nothing crazy. Some of these oil drops. And I don't know. He was freaking me out the way he was announcing <laughs> for some reason. Uh, Bass, it wasn't working for me. Uh, Bass sends him over the top rope back in. The pedigree finishes quickly. So squash match, basically. Yeah, Bass was a, he, he was about to get new to a, a small feud with the junkyard dog. Where he choked him out in the aisle with uh, Miss Betsy. And then he gets into his only really feud that meant anything with uh, Bruce Brutus. Barber Beefcake. Yeah, yeah. But he was around for like two or three years and just never never wrestled any of the champions. I think they could have done more with uh, the big outlaw. I always but, just uh, think of the X's. That's what I think of with him. The big yeah, giant X's. Yeah, the X, yeah. Yeah, the X screen. Absolutely, man. Yeah. All right. Uh, negotiations are falling through with Euchre's agent. So Bobby offers a deal to Gorilla, inviting him to come back to primetime as a favor uh, by the brain. Next up, another kind of weird combination, Frenchie Martin versus Jerry Allen. Not a big Frenchie Martin guy. No, he had some new attire for, uh, for yeah. this contest, I noticed. And, uh, but they keep it Jerry short. Allen. They keep it short. He's a full-time manager at this point, pretty much. He gets yeah. his ass kicked for two minutes, and then he got the three count. And he couldn't. He was very sloppy. Uh, feet on the ropes. It like fell off. You know, feet on the ropes for leverage, and it fell off. Is um is Paula still on the line? Yeah, Paula. Dave, uh, it's got a question for you here, baby. No, I don't. I, oh. I had a funny story oh, about okay. Frenchie Martin, but I don't know if I want to tell it. All right, we're gonna hold off on that. One. <laughs> we'll hold on. We'll we'll take. Ah, no, nah, I'm not comfortable. We'll take a we'll take a page out of Conrad's book. I don't know where we're gonna talk about him again, but whenever we do, we'll tell it. All right, Gorilla's on a fishing boat, <laughs> and Bobby commandeers a boat of his own and starts frantically throwing bananas at Gorilla saying that children are calling USA and wishing their favorite TV star was back on the show. But then Bobby's <laughs> massive boat runs out of gas, and Gorilla just laughs at him and rows off. Amazing. So, yep. We go to a special report. So simple, Steve. Yeah. It's so simple. Why can't they do the same? If it could be done with Cobra Kai, why can't it do it with wrestling? I just don't get it. I don't know, but it's great. Uh, the debuting Sean Mooney. Uh, recaps the chicanery that allowed the Honky Tonk Man to retain uh, the title at WrestleMania 4. Brutus wants revenge, um, but he's not going to get it because of the axes. Yeah, yeah, you actually ain't kidding. That's the truth. Yeah. Poor Brutai got his uh, he got his legs chopped out from under him here on this Intercontinental run. Then when he finally was going to really get it two years later, he got his head chopped out from uh, from uh, under him. Goodness gracious. So, uh, yeah, something about him in that belt. You got you to gotta keep him away from the Intercontinental belt. Uh, Craig DeGeorge is trolling Dino Bravo and Frenchie Martin, triggering a USA chant. Bravo didn't take too kindly to this. Uh, uh kicking around, too. Um, yeah, it's, he's on his last legs for sure. Yep. Bobby Heenan so. still trying to restart the boat and doesn't notice that his girl has gone back to the house. Girl answers the phone, and it's a call from Bruce Pritchard and promises to come back to primetime as long as Bobby Heenan is kept on a longer leash. I, th- <laughs> I think you mean a short leash. Another event center, Gene Oakland, announces that Jimmy Hart has been barred from ringside for an upcoming Honky Beefcake match, but Honky vows that Beefcake won't stop him from retaining the gold. I mean, Gene casually mentions all the money Honky is making from his new restaurant, Honky Burger, in Memphis. And then throws it to the million dollar man who says he wants the WWF title belt that's rightfully his. Macho Man goes back to his old bag of tricks, throwing a handful of confetti to start his promo. So this you know, is it's funny. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. 
No. It's funny you said that. Honky Burgers, they're actually, uh, was a Mean Gene Burgers in the 2000s on uh, a lot of rest stops. Not here in New Jersey, but anytime someone would be traveling somewhere, I'd get a picture of them standing in front of the Mean Gene Burger sign. And his, uh, his, his whatever it was, his tagline was, the burger that says, bite me. And all that leads to the feature, Hulk Hogan versus Boris Zukov with Slick and Nikolai Volkov and the Bolsheviks. Try to ambush before the bell, but Hulk fights off both of them. He clears Nikolai from the ring and clotheslines Zukov in the corner. Right hand and a shoulder block by Hogan. Zukov gets in a boot and some clubbing blows to the back. Backbreaker by Zukov, and he gets two, and we go right to the finish, which is a Hulk up, a leg drop. Hogan gets three. He leg drops Volkov and beats the crap out of Slick after the match, and uh, that will do it. Um, that is uh, primetime wrestling uh, for May 16th, 1988. And uh, next week, it is uh, Bobby and Gorilla together again. What With do you think? Set. What do you think, Dave? Uh, as uh, for the Hogan board, yeah, Hogan match, match. You know, go over that first. It, you know, it was it, it, it was what it was. I mean, they actually have a, Vir- a Virgil Macho Man match the next week on Superstars. And it's a lot better, you know. DiBiase's getting involved. You know, Vir- Virgil gets a little more, a little more offensive. And but we're not here to talk about that. But I'm just saying, if they did that with Virgil, they could have done a, a bit more here with uh, Hulk and Boris. Maybe chase Slick around. Maybe let Slick get a cane shot in on the Hulkster outside the ring. But uh, but they didn't. You know, we were all just happy to see Hulk. Where you been for a month and a half, brother? You know, what I mean, besides seeing the uh, the Kids Choice Award uh, thing, you di- you didn't see Hulk at all. So he came down with a big American flag, you know, it was two weeks away from Memorial Day, and they actually used that shot of him on the beginning of All-American Wrestling for many years, I think to like 94, you know, to early 94, they're still run- no, maybe 93, they replaced it with Luger. But, um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is, I'm not going to give it a dud, because it's, it's not to be looked at that way, but I also can't give it a big star rating either, so I'll give it one star, happy to see Hulk there, he got his poses. I've never seen him drop a leg on someone after the fact, after he's already dropped his leg. I remember thinking that at the time. Remember the kids in school talking about this match? You know, because they didn't stay up late and watch the MSG Network or Saturday Night's Main Event like I did. You know, so uh, everybody was happy. So it's all around as long as everybody's happy. It's all good. What do you think, brother? Yeah, I mean, we grade these relative to Hulk matches. I'd give it 1.5. Mostly just because of the excitement of Hulk being on TV. But Hulk hadn't been in the ring much, so maybe they didn't want to do too much with him. You know, just knocking off the rust. He didn't have the chance to really knock the rust off. Um, so short, sweet. Like I said, it's for sweeps. We did this for fun. We didn't do it because it was an epic Hogan match or anything. We just thought it'd be fun to cover a prime time, do something a little bit different. So the focus yeah, let, is let, let, let's do let's do stuff that nobody else does. Yeah, and the focus that is the same old stuff. We did something really regular last time, you know, with Survivor Series 87. So let's do something really different uh, with a random prime time from 88. And the whole point was just to, you know, do a Hulk match on TV and kind of explain why there wasn't many and, and look at some different things. So we covered a lot of different ground on this show. With We talked about prime time. We talked about a wrestler we thought we never would and Boris Zukov. We, you know, we talked about New Haven Coliseum. We talked about TV. So... Fun episode, uh, fun match. Anything else? Yeah. The, Will you give, oh, the it, you give are, a grade? A one star. Okay. 
So the Hulkster is is uh, the base of our show. It doesn't mean that you know if if there's a match in the middle that we're not going to talk about. We we might end up talking about you know a uh, Ricky Steamboat match longer than we talk about Hulk's match if it's on the card. Hulk's our favorite wrestler is the base of our show, uh, but it could go any way. You know the show is not just about Hulk's matches. All right. With all that said, we got one more piece of business still tonight. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We got outro. We got plugs. I know Paula's got emails. We'll see. Maybe she'll make a couple matches for us. And then we'll let you know what we're going to do on episode number 15 of the 24-inch podcast. 15 already. I am a real American. Fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American. Fight for what's right. Fight for your life. Twenty-four inch podcast back. We got one more segment tonight. Dave Rowland, Steve Bennett, and Paula. Paula Bennett is here. <laughs> Up way too late, um, but it is summer vacation, right? Mm-hmm. Paula, what's the song we learned to celebrate school ending? Sing it for the people. Sing it. Go ahead. <laughs> Schools out for. That's right. Forever. Ever. All right. All right. Alice Cooper, props to him. All right. Uh, the Sportscasters podcast. Don't forget, you can find this episode, every episode of the 24-inch podcast and the Sportscasters podcast on our SoundCloud page. It's soundcloud.com slash sports dash casters. You can also find us on Twitter. We're at the number two, the number four-inch podcast. You can also email us, same thing, number two, number four, the word inch, the word podcast at gmail.com. You can search Facebook for the 24-inch podcast Facebook group. Uh, we had to make that private because of a lunatic from the place to be nation world. Um, but just oh, what, what happened there? You didn't even tell me. There's just a lunatic on the prowl harassing Justin. Get uh, out of here. Yeah, and... Uh, People are nervous. Like could, yeah, you can tell me. Yeah, time. I mean, it's, that's that's all. I mean, there's just a crazy guy. Crazy world. So I closed ours just to make sure we weren't next. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I booted him out. He was in our group. I booted him out and closed it. You know. So people need to get a life, man. It's yeah. Just, you know, social media is just a, a thing, like playing Nintendo. You know what I mean? It's a side thing. Yeah. It's not everything in life. But uh, also, let's see where was I? Plugs. Oh yeah, the 24 inch podcast group. Search for that on Facebook. Join us there. So far, we got a nice community there. Uh, you can listen to this podcast, the twenty, the Sportscasters podcast, like I said, SoundCloud.com slash Sports-Casters. Uh, we're also on Spotify and uh, Apple and anywhere you find podcasts. And if for some reason there is a podcast service and you can't find us, let me know and I'll help you uh, figure that out. Um, also, don't forget about greetings from Allentown, our friend Peter Winson. Usually every Thursday he puts up a show, 
Then on the weekend, it's Greetings from Allentown Live with Keithy. Uh, the Place to Be Nation podcast, I want to mention that again today because on Monday, I'm recording the the flagship show. We're doing a WrestleMania 8 preview show or something. Um, March to WrestleMania. March probably. to WrestleMania, yeah. Uh, the Hulk Hogan um, tribute to Hulk Hogan, actually. So it's me and a few others. And that was on aired the same night as the last MSG uh, show they did. That's when it aired. So I had to have two VCRs going at the same time. Yeah, it's the uh, yeah March WrestleMania eight is the is the show. So um, we'll be doing that. I'll be on that. So check out that out. Place to be Nation uh, for that. And um, I don't know anything else you want to plug. Uh, that's about it. I mean, um, we got some good uh, questions. Few here. All right. We got next next week's show. Start it big, up, a biggie. Okay, a dear friend of Kevin Hogan's by the name of Jamie wants to know. Uh, with Boris Zukov as Hulk's opponent for this taping, I always thought of Nikolai Volkov as kind of the leaders of the Bolsheviks. Why was it Boris? Also, I don't remember the Bolsheviks ever having a tag team title run. Am I wrong? Am I right? And they never had one. Okay. Uh, well, uh, the second part about the Bolsheviks, they were kind of, after Sheik, uh, Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov were a huge team. They were the champions. They had more heat than any other tag team in the WWF. Then the Sheik had that. Uh, he was in a big, Sheik and Nikolai were both in a big feud with Hacksaw Jim Duggan, who was new to the company in uh, May of 87. And Sheik, they had that whole thing with Hacksaw on the uh, Garden State Parkway here in New Jersey. Where, anyway, we'll get into that another time, but the Sheik was fired. So Nikolai kind of floundered that summer in singles competition. And uh, I think because the, they had such heat as a tag team, Vince wanted a tag team. So he got Boris, brought him in. But they were kind of only like a step above the conquistadors. I think they were there just to get the heat, sing the anthem, but not really beat anybody of any importance. So I think the tag team titles were behind them. I think even they were behind them even if Sheik was still there. And the other part of the question, uh, why didn't they do Nikolai and do Boris? Because it'd be it's easier squashing Boris. Nikolai had a match with Hulk on Saturday Night's main event in '85. Yeah, I, know I was just gonna say he already had the match with him. I yeah, guess. yeah. I know it wasn't the same Nikolai in '88, but just just to be, you know, to have respect for Nikolai, not squash him like that. Sure. You know, do it to Boris instead. Yep. I don't know if you want to add anything. No, to I that. think that's exactly right. Out of okay. respect to Nikolai, he yeah. already had a better match with Hulk. You know, on Saturday exactly. Night. Yeah. All right. What's next? Okay. Next. We got the great Anthony Pagano, friend of the show. I mentioned him a lot here. Um, what He asked, <clears throat> what were some other potential names for the show Primetime Wrestling? And were Gorilla and Heenan always supposed to be two hosts? Well, the first part, I have no idea. Um, when the show came out, it was Primetime Wrestling since New Year's Day 1985. And we touched on it before. No, uh, Gorilla Heenan actually neither were the hosts at first. It was Jack Reynolds and Jesse Ventura. Then it went on to Gorilla and Jesse, and Jesse left to make Predator, and that's how Bobby got that gig, and it was just magic uh, between the two of them, Anthony, and uh, that's the show you got to know uh, for, for years to come. Steve, you want to add anything? Yeah, I think they were originally going to call it... Um, I don't have I don't have anything funny to say. No, I have nothing yeah. bad. You, you got it. <laughs> you, okay. You got it. What else you got? Anything else or are uh, going to Facebook? We're going to Facebook. All right, so I'll get the Facebook one. Paula, do you have a, an email you want to read while I look up the Facebook one? Yep. All right, what do you got? Who's emailing us in your world tonight? In my world. You got to speak into that mic, though, you're not. I mean, my world. Um, actually, my emails are just... Call 
today. All right, well, let's hear it. Let's hear the first one. The first one is from Allie. From Allie. So this is uh, your mom's friend's daughter. Mm-hmm. All right, what is Allie? Allie with an I. It is with an I. I think she's emailed us before. Yeah. Allie yeah. said, when Andre is young, Chris Hogan, mm-hmm. he hopped up. In that time, when did he do when Andre when Andre was doing the big swaps? Okay, so how did Hulk, how was he able to Hulk up after getting squashed by Andre? Mm-hmm. Okay, so like in the beginning of the match, Hulk goes for the slam, but he doesn't get it, and, and Andre squashes him. Is that what you're saying? Uh-huh. And then he starts smacking Hulk around. Uh-huh. And the question is, how does he come back? Mm-hmm. All right, Dave, what do you got? Two words, intestinal fortitude. Yeah. The, 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 the Hulkamaniacs in the crowd um, rallied him, and the Hulkamania started flowing through the veins. And he uh, yeah, has intestinal fortitude and the prayers and the preparation and the vitamins and the 24-inch pot, pythons. It all came together, and, uh, and he Digging was Digging down to... deep for something extra. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, good question, Allie. All right, Facebook. Calvin Crowell, one of the greats. Killer Cal. I have a question for Paula. Mm-hmm. You guys too, if you want. Who are your top three favorite Hasbro figures? So, Paula, which are your three favorite wrestlers that you have? You if know, your wrestler want. guys. Okay. Did she say Hasbro? Yeah, Hasbro's are the littler <laughs> ones. Okay. No, one of my favorites are the Honky Dog Man one because he's like all like you and it's like itchy yeah he's got the blue suit on it's a good yeah. figure yeah, hard to find too and the second one was the bar the beefcake brutus barber beefcake yeah okay which, which one uh we got strutting and cutting i believe There's pink pink tight we got the one white. where his head pushes down that's pink okay, okay. brutus one yeah okay brutus and you got a third one mm-hmm. what about hulk yep hulk rules and, original uh, Oh, whatever one you like. You tell me. It's your list. Okay, of course Hulk. So she's got Hulk, Brutus, and Honky Tonk. What do you got, Dave? Okay, I'll go with the uh, red mailway Hogan. You got a mailway from the uh, magazines WrestleMania Nine attire. Um, you know the red and red shirt, red pants. Uh, then next, the Yokozuna figure. Either either the first one or the second one's the same figure in red or white. It was just, it's massive. And it's just like, I remember when I, my uncle brought him home, I'm like, wow, like this, this stands above the rest. Yokozuna. And then the third one, mm, it's just off the top of my head, The Undertaker uh, was really cool. I remember when I found him in the store and he's got the clothesline and it's just like, wow, like great to add The Undertaker to the uh, fig fed, whatever you want to call it. Those are my three. I'll mention three that haven't been mentioned. Uh, Bret Hart. We had a cool Bret Hart one. Very good one. Yeah. Davey Boy Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, that one's really cool. We don't have. We're always looking for dynamite, right? Where's dynamite? Yeah. Yeah. Where the heck's dynamite? Oh, LJN. Yeah. Like, we have to find them at the eighty Twitter, and we never find them. Yeah, we never find them. <laughs> and then uh, also, Mister Perfect. All right. Did I say Mister Perfect? No. No. You said him. Brett, Mister Perfect, and Davy Boy. Those are the three I was thinking of. Because they, besides the ones that were mentioned, of course, I like that. Yeah. Hon- yeah. That honky tonk. Yellow or uh, yellow or blue, Mister Perfect. Uh, yellow. Yellow. That's the first one. Yeah. 
the honky tonk one is really cool though. Just a really nice looking figure with that blue suit. Very nice. Yeah. Yep. The guitar. Yeah. He's very hard to find too. Paul, you got another email? All right. What do you got? I have to actually have. They're really easy. They're just free today. Okay. Go ahead. This one is from. I'm still mad it's from him. Who is it? Talking to the mic. Alex. Alex, our neighbor Alex. Okay, Air Alex, I call him because he's horrible at basketball. What do you, what do you got? Mm-hmm. Air Alex. Air Ball Alex. What do you got? Um, he said we're an Andre the Giant. Another Andre question. When Andre the Giant like the boot to Hogan. How did Hulk Hogan Hulk up? <laughs> <laughs> we already answered that. Alex, what I'm going to need you to do is I'm going to need you to rewind the podcast, okay? Go back a few minutes. It's a good question, Alex. He wants to know, when Andre laid the boots to Hogan, how did he Hulk up? I just want you to rewind back to the last question from Allie. You and Allie get on the same page over there. Actually, it was not that way to watch. Oh, she read it wrong. Hold on. She looked at the wrong email. Oh, okay. The other one. The other one. Yeah. Still the same answer, though. You know, it's still all about that intestinal fortitude. You know, love from the crowd. You know, whatever it is that it takes to get you to speak into the microphone as opposed to just off the microphone. Those kinds of things. I think all the neighbors, I think all the boys from the neighbors give me the what's free. <laughs> all right. Waking up the neighborhood. <laughs> All right, Dave, do you got anything else? Uh, just next week or in two weeks. Okay, hold on. Um, uh, oh, oh, Paul's got more. What? If you don't speak into the mic, though, I'm cutting you off. There are two more boys. Okay, what is what is what do we got from uh, Zachary? Zachary. Yeah, he's the, one of the other neighbors. Does he have a question? He's the cuckoo one. He is a nut. What does he want to know? And he... <laughs> The day before this day, he was wearing no shirt. Yeah, he had no shirt on. Like Wow. Other... Did he have 24-inch pythons, like Roe nose? Nope. <laughs> Paula loves Roe. Whoa. Yeah. You like Roe, Paula? <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. And here's a nice one. Okay. Bradley. Bradley. What does Bradley want to know? He wanted to know. I'm actually going to say Zach's question. Okay. What's Zach's question? Zach's question was, when Holter, if he did Andre... I mean, the Bulldogs, what did he do the first thing he got it? Okay, well, here's a cool thing. Hulk and the Bulldogs both appear together on an episode of the A-Team. Did you know that? Nope. Well, that's a piece of it. You know that, Paula. You've seen that episode. I forgot. Right? When they're in the gym. Who else is in the gym? When Hulk and Mr. T bust in. The Bulldogs. Who else is in there? Um, Steamboat. Steamboat. Corporal Corporal, uh, Kirshner. And uh, the guy who dies, what's his name? Rick McGraw, right Rick then McGraw. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And who? Right just... as it aired. Yeah, he died like right then. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, I think that's it for tonight, baby. Okay. You got any more? Or are you good? I'm good. All right, Paul is good. That means Dave, you're going to announce what we're going to do next time because it's your call. You pick this one this out. Is, this is a different kind of show, but we got a big anniversary for Hulkamania. Well, not actually Hulkamania for the New World Order, brother. The 25th anniversary of the big heel turn of Hulk Hogan. We're going to do WCW Bash of the Beast 1996 from the Ocean Center 
in Daytona Beach, Florida. Steve is not the biggest WCW fan, so this is uh, I've never be seen, a little new to him. I've never seen anything other than the clip of him coming down. Yeah, that's all okay. I've ever seen. Yeah. Okay, I, I actually I, I jumped ship with all the other guys. I became a WCW fan in 94 and hung around till about 99. So uh, to me, it's, it goes right along with all the other stuff we do. But uh, it's going to be. I'm interested to hear to hear Steve's take on it after watching it. I'm going to be doing the show as a fan, listening to what my partner says. Uh, so I'm interested in that, and uh, it's going to be a bit after the Fourth of July, Fourth uh, of July week. I'm actually off that week from work, so we're going to uh, get this podcast probably rolling pretty quick next time, on my end at least. And uh, I'm going to have Paul watch that too and see what her reaction is to it because Paul has, you know, no. Oh problem. yeah, you that's going to be some yeah, reaction. Yeah. I'm definitely uh, gonna be scared. Gonna be I remember, scared. but but Macho Man, Macho Man's a good guy. You know, he's not a bad guy there. So right. and you got Sting and Lex are the good guys. All right. Yeah. So with all that said, I want to thank everybody for listening. We're 14 in. Number 15 next time. Great time as always. Yeah. I want everyone to uh, do me a favor though. Between now and the next show, I need you to uh, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, and tell a friend. About the 24-inch podcast. Ah, brother. Put the shirt up.